Crawford of the L.A. Clippers. You're now tuning in to Cruise Control, hosted by my man, Randy Cruz. Holla. Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Cruise Control Podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. NBA playoffs kick off this weekend. Kobe scores 60 in his final game as a member of the Lakers in his illustrious, legendary 20-year career. And, of course, with me being a Knicks fan, we got to talk about their season and what to look forward to next year. So I'm joined by Mr. Anthony Donahue, the host of the Knicks blog podcast, The Anthony Donahue Show, and a contributor to ESPN New York 98.7 FM. And also a diehard Knicks fan. Anthony, what's up, my man? How you doing? I'm good, Randy. How are you, man? Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. Anytime. Uh, we're looking good. NBA playoffs this weekend. Uh, one of my favorite players retired last night. Kobe going out with 60. Um, you know, people can complain or not about taking 50 shots. But... Randy, Randy, you just said that was such like it was nothing. Kobe going out with 60. Like it was nothing. Like it was just 60 points. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen it before, but it's like it's, it's nothing new to Kobe. And plus, we, we've been we've kind of known he's going to retire, uh, you know, at during his final game. So it's like, um, I mean, all in all, man, the, the, the guy is special, legendary, Hall of Fame. I, I want to hear some more excitement when you said 60, though. You should like 60 <laughs> points. All right, Kobe Bryant had 60 points last night. Does that sound yeah, there better? You go. That's All a right. big number. Granted, he did shoot 90 shots, but 60 points is a lot of points. And that was that was incredible last night. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Yeah, man. I mean, people can say what they want about Kobe, but he's definitely a, a big-time, legendary uh, Hall of Fame talent. Uh, I wish he was a Nick, but, hey, you know, shit happens. But um, Hey, Isaiah Thomas tried. Listen, the summer of 2004 – Isaiah Thomas flew to Los Angeles. It was the mid-level exception. Kobe was probably just entering the prime of his career. Right. The Knicks tried, and Kobe probably laughed in Zeke's face, but Zeke was the mid-level. Yeah, I mean, Isaiah did try. Uh, it did not work out, and Kobe remained a Laker for his entire 20-year career. But uh, he, he definitely went out last night with a bang, and social media was going crazy last night. At the same time, we had the Warriors with their 73-win uh, regular season victories, another uh, historic accomplishment. Um, which game were you watching more, or were you like flipping back and forth last night? So the Bulls obviously do our major major historical accomplishment. Steph Curry was fantastic last night. I saw the highlights. But for me, what was more important to watch as a basketball fan, everybody knows I bleed orange or blue. I really don't get attached to players that don't wear orange and blue. But it doesn't mean I don't respect Kobe Bryant. It doesn't mean I don't love, didn't love Allen Iverson or any of these guys growing up. But for me, it was all about number 24, Kobe Bryant, last night, mainly because I'm a sucker for things like that players' last games, things like that. I'm a sucker for – I am a sucker for records, and it's great what Golden State did. If I, the big question was if you could get blown there for free and a courtside seat for free, which game would you take? It's easy. Kobe Bryant's last game because I am a sucker for that. Obviously, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, so I had the privilege of being at Mariano Rivera's last game, being at Derek Jeter's last game. 
like I said, like I wrote on my social media today, I'm not the biggest Kobe fan by any means. Mm. Like I just said to you, Randy, I am a sucker for that emotional stuff. And even I was getting a little teary-eyed at the end of them by no means consider myself a Kobe Bryant fan, but at the same time, I watched his entire career. I remember when he scored his first points as an NBA player at Madison Square Garden early in the 1996-1997 season. I believe it was a Thursday night, and the game was on TNT, and to be honest, the best rookie in that game was a guy we both know pretty well, and that was John Wallace, wearing his Carl Kanai sneakers. Wow, Carl Kanai. I haven't heard that name in, in so long. <laughs> he, had, he was probably one of the only basketball players to wear them on the court, man. This thing, I actually had them in eighth grade, and like I did with a lot of my sneakers. I got rid of them, and I wish I did mainly because, one, I wear the same size still, and I'm, there's so many places you could probably bring an old pair to get them fixed or done nice, and these sneakers are pretty dope, man. They're Carl Kanai basketball sneakers, and John Wallace rocked them, and he rocked them hard. So if I ask you if, if you know if you had to become a fan of one of the following three players, who would you become a fan of first? Kobe, Reggie Miller, or Michael Jordan? Which one would you pick? Kobe Bryant, just because he never. I mean, obviously he destroyed the Knicks a lot. You know, he had the fifty-one points versus the Knicks, but the, the Knicks were irrelevant at that time. The Knicks stunk. Um, you know, the Knicks and Lakers have never really been a rivalry. You know, they never really had a lot of battles. They know they had some battles. Obviously, the Kobe Bryant, Chris Childs fight, everybody knows about that. But, I mean, Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan, I mean, I respect them both immensely. Obviously, Michael Jordan is the greatest player I've ever seen. But, you know, those guys, Kobe Bryant, I mean, Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan helped ruin my childhood. Kobe Bryant really didn't affect my childhood as far as ruining it at all. He was in the West Coast, only played them twice a year. Never played them in the playoffs, which obviously would have been a final matchup. So, no, nah, Kobe, it would be Kobe Bryant. It's because those, you know, the other two guys, you know, really, you know, they hurt me a lot, man. It, those other two guys made me cry. Okay, so let, let's take Kobe out of the equation. If you had to be, be a fan of Michael or Reggie first, which one would you take? Man. Like for a day. Not, not, just, just for a day, I mean, be a fan was, of. I mean, it would be Michael Jordan just because he's a better, more exciting, more stylish player. I mean, one thing I always admired, I mean, my, my grandfather uh, wasn't a big basketball fan, but one thing he, he always saved for when that Miller gets the ball at the end of that game, he just doesn't, doesn't miss, does he? And there's something to, to love about that. You know, every time the game was the line, so Reggie Miller for his career, I believe, only averaged 18 points a game, and that's pretty good. But every time the game was in the line, you know, Reggie Miller came through, and that, you know, that, that was pretty awesome about Reggie Miller so. Most of the time it was against the Knicks, but if it was Reggie Miller or Michael Jordan, I'd, I'd go with Michael Jordan. Now, before we get into the whole Knicks thing, um, I know you probably said it uh, plenty of times, but let's go back. How long have you been a, a, a diehard Knicks fan? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. A lot of people ask me that. People ask me that all the time. And, you know, obviously that the funny answer is when I came out of the womb, but that's an easy answer. But, no, I think I always liked the Knicks from ages like five, six, seven, eight. If you asked me who my favorite team was, I said the Knicks. But I don't think I really became obsessed with it, followed it until fourth grade, you know, around the playoffs that year. Maybe all-star break playoffs. The all-star game that year was in Utah. John Stockton, Carl Malone were co-MVPs, 93 all-star game. Uh, the Knicks and Bulls were battling at the top of the conference. So right around that time, I became diehard obsessed. And nobody in my family... 
My family is more of a basketball, excuse me, my, my family is more of a baseball, football, hockey family. Nobody's really into basketball too much, so I didn't get it from anybody. just kind of happened, man. And then around that time in the spring of 1993, the Knicks were playing the Pacers in the first round, and something took over me, Randy, and I, I can't explain it. It became more than just, it came, it came, to be honest, man, as crazy as it sounds, it, it, it's become more than just life for me. And it, it, it just something changed with me in 1993. And, right. I became, you know, the biggest Knicks fan in the world, man. And it's uh, been, been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of sadness, you know, a lot of frustration, a lot of happiness. But it happened around there. I was, I said, nine years old, fourth grade, 1993 is when I became obsessed, where I became, you know, I really started to follow it and really realize how much I loved it. Now, you mentioned the key word I was going to mention. You mentioned the word frustration, and you've been a Knicks fan longer than me. Um, I got to be a Knicks fan back in 99 once, you know, Sprewell got on board, and I tell people the same story that before that, I, I was a, a, a big-time Bull fan. So by the, while you're a Knicks fan, I'm a Bull fan um, during those heydays in the 90s. And you've had, as a fan, more success of going to the playoffs or going to the finals than me. In my time of being a Knicks fan, I've seen like maybe three or four playoff uh, appearances, and I've seen more 50 um, losses in a season yeah, um, for the team. It, it, it has not been all that great recently. I know we had a couple years in, in 2011, 12, and 13 and stuff like that, but but for you know majority of the last decade, it, 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 it has been very frustrating to be a Knicks fan. But um, going forward, like how frustrating can it get that, that every year it's – Always, uh, you know, will we make the AFC? Will will we make a trade? Are we gonna have a new coach? What's gonna happen? Is it how frustrating does it get every year going into the season? Being uh, a diehard Knicks fan, man, Randy, it's um, boy, that was that was you loaded me up right. <laughs> now. Um, it's, it's a lot, man. It's tough, a lot, and it's it, it's very tough. I love the Knicks more than life itself, and one thing I want to say to anybody that's listening that's been following my tweets and stuff in my show the last year. My love for the Knicks hasn't changed one bit just because I've gotten on management, I've gotten on the organization as far as basketball decisions does not mean my love has changed. Let me get that out of the way. So as a kid from 93 to 2001, it was basically championship or bust. So every year ended the same. It ended with a playoff exit, and you really didn't appreciate that particular playoff run until you later on in the summer. But even when the Knicks lost in 2000, they got to the conference finals, lost in six games. And, uh, you know, I didn't get over that till August. And when I got to August, I was like, yeah, that was, that was a fun run. But every year we had that. And I remember this interesting story, man. It was uh, December 1999. I went to a Knicks-Nets game at Udalen. Stephon Marbury was the point guard. I think Jamie Spike was the next starting center. Ah, oh, man, Keith Van Horn. I mean, they had a, Keith wasn't a scrub. Marbury wasn't a scrub. But this team had scrubs. So they had George Marichon. So anyway, Randy, the Nets won that game. The Knicks were winning most of the game, to be honest with you. The Nets come back and win the game. Now, at the time, the Nets' record was probably about – either Calipari was still the coach or he had just gotten fired. The Nets' record at the time, it must have been like 5-25, and 5-20. And, and the whole medal, all the Nets fans of the game were going crazy. And remember I said to my uncle, who took me to that game, I said, man, i got to give these fans actually somewhat, somewhat credit because the Nets have zero chance to go to the playoffs and the fans are still into it. I don't know what that's like because as a fan from 93 to that you know, 2001, and this was in 99, 
all I experienced was going to the playoffs. All I experienced was every every regular season game mattering. Well, fast forward two years later, Jeff Van Gundy quits. The Knicks win 30 games. And that was the first year of the 2001-2002 season where I experienced going to games in March where the games didn't matter. Randy, I never experienced that before. This is new. This was foreign territory. And for the most part, with the exception of 2004, most games I've been to in March since I was the age of 17 have not mattered. But I mean, I remember, you know, the mid-2000s when I was, you know, working with, at ESPN Radio and myself and Larry Hardison. This is how pathetic you got, Randy. Me and Larry and I, would, you know, or me and Brandon Tierney, Robin Lumbert, we'd say, can, we wouldn't even talk about the playoffs, brother. What we would say was, can we at least have important games in March? I mean, that's right. how pathetic it's gotten. You know, can you give me can you give me a game on March 22nd that matters? Could you give me a game after St. Paddy's Day that matters? And for the most part, almost every year since 2001, with the exception of four years, the Knicks made the playoffs. In 04, got swept by the Nets. 2011, got swept by the Celtics. 2004, lost in five to the Heat. And 2013, lost to the Pacers in the second round in six. They have not even played games that mattered after St. Patrick's Day. And that's a different type of frustration than losing in, in six games in the second round or losing in the conference final. That's just a... It's just different, and it just absolutely stinks, man. There's nothing like being a kid, being 15, 16, 17 years old, and just this time of the year, man. I felt I was on the team, man. I was so focused. I was getting ready for the playoffs. Like I said, granted, we never got the ring, but every year at this time, we had a chance. And over the last 15 years, we haven't even had that. And it's Listen, I love the Knicks. I love the organization. The organization has been fantastic to me personally. You know that. Mm-hmm. But as a fan and rooting for the basketball team, it has been extremely, extremely hard over the last 15 years. I think for the last 10, 15 years, the, the Knicks have been associated. The, the, the Knicks and the Knicks fans are have been associated with, with the following, and, and I'm pretty sure you agree. Um, what, can, what kind of trade can we make by the trade deadline? That's, that's always the thing with the Nets. I think that's the only team that says, well, who can we get in February? What assets do we have? Um, who can we get during free agency? Are we going to have yep. – um, is our coach going to last more than two, three years? Who's it's our – It's funny, man. When I was growing, back to growing up again, it was Riley and then Van Gundy over the course of like 13 years. And now you're right, Randy. I mean, I think I, I got to think about it for a second, but – on opening night, whether it's Kurt Rams or somebody else, he's going to be like the 11th Knicks coach on opening night in 2001. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and, and there's two more. It's, the other one was, who's going to be our new GM? Because we've had more GMs in the last five, ten years than, than most organizations with Isaiah, Scott Layden, Donnie Walsh, Phil Jackson, Isaiah, you name Glenn, it. Glenn Grunwald. Glenn Grunwald. Um, and also, the main thing is, well, can the Knicks make the eighth seed? And I think when you talk about during the summertime, uh, training camp, whatever, those are the five main things that Knicks fans would always talk about as opposed to saying, well, you know, are we going to win the, the division? Are we going to be a top four seed? And I think that's gotten away from, from a lot of us over the past 5, 10, 15 years, not because well, you know, I mean, we're Randy, fans. We want, it, the Knicks won 32 games this year, and, and Knicks fans were excited. But, yeah, if you want to be excited about Chris Porzingis, I'm fine with that. If you want to be excited about Jaron Grant, you think he's going to be good, that's cool. 
But a lot of fans, and, and I don't get them, and no, no disrespect, you thought they were my friends. Mm-hmm. You're getting excited about winning 32 games? Oh, I, I, and, I'm and, not. And, and stop with this. <laughs> they doubled their win total. Carmelo Anthony missed half the year last year. Now, now, Randy, this still stinks. But if Carmelo plays the whole year last year, they win 25 to 30 games. And granted, that still sucks. Don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me how they doubled their win total. If Melo plays all year last year, they still suck. But they still win 25, 30 games. And they won 32. Some of these fans have gotten so brainwashed, man. It's unbelievable. It breaks my heart. That's why I I try to put pressure on the organization. Uh And no, I'm not happy. There's people I know that are big time with the Knicks that talk to me. They know I'm not happy. This has nothing to do with my relationship with them or how they treat me. They all treat me great, but I'm I'm the product of the court. No, I'm not happy. Right. I shouldn't be. I I should not be. I'm also a paying customer. And, and, I've season tickets for, for 12, 13 years. I am not happy right now. And 32 wins will be will be good if you're Minnesota, Phoenix, something like that. But the Knicks had 22 wins, I, I believe, if, if I'm wrong, correct me, but I think they had 22 dubs by February or by the All-Star break. Late January. They Late did, January. And, um, they had they were 22 and 22 going into that Friday night game for Clippers. I tell you what, man, I was pumped that night. The Knicks got their doors blown off, got their ass kicked. And the season just, I mean, over the last 15 years, the Knicks have had a lot of 32, 33-win seasons. And usually it's like the season's over by January. This was kind of different. Mm-hmm. They were treading water. Right. I remember when they were going to that Clipper game, I was actually texting actually with Rebecca Harlow, who we were trying to set up an interview. And I remember she said, I think like 10 of the next 13 games are at home. So when she said that, the first thing I thought was, oh, man, we got a chance to get really fat right now. We got a chance to get some dubs. And maybe get seven, eight, nine games over 500. But what happened? We lose to the Clippers, and we lose basically every game after that the rest of the season, <laughs> and end up going 32 and 50. Yeah, and they went 10 and 28 after that. And just like, you know, we were we were there, 22 wins. It sounds good. We were uh, at 500 late January, like you said. And it's like, okay, now we can be in that eighth, seventh, eighth spot mode like Detroit is right now. And then all of a sudden, Lance Thomas gets hurt. Porzingis wasn't the same player after the All-Star break. Melo sprained his ankle. Merrick, uh, Melo sprained his ankle in, in that Boston game. Fisher gets fired. Uh, Kurt Rambis comes in. Um, you know, some players not getting playing time down the stretch. And it's like, you know, how can you go 10 and 28 and like so fast, so quick when you were just right at the cusp of making the playoffs and it just yeah that was that was like i said that was a di- i've had a lot of different deaths as being a knicks fan in the last 20 some years this was one of the more unique ones like in a sense like having a solid season not great not golden state warrior like but having a solid season and then all of a sudden getting buried into the damn ground <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and then you know, you mentioned Melo earlier, and the, the guy has been here for I think his fifth, sixth year. Um, he's been in three playoffs with the Knicks, 2011, 12, and thirteen. We all know about twenty thirteen, winning the the division, fifty four uh, wins, second round loss to the Pacers. Um, but he's had, I mean, let me get it right. One, two, I think uh, four coaches: Dan Tony, Mike Woodson, Derek Fisher, and Kurt Rambis in, in five years. Um, That'd be correct. Yep. Are you are you at all? What makes you what makes you surprised that the mellow era here in New York has gone this way? Man, I thought when the Knicks got mellow, and I did think they gave up a lot for him, but I, I still would do it again in a heartbeat. I wish they could have kept somebody short, but it is what it is. I'm not going to go back and bitch about that. There's no point. If you would have told me that 
in the Carmelo Anthony era, we'd make the playoffs the first three, then not the next three, I would have said no way. If he would have told me the Knicks lost that game six to the Pacers in 2013, that we wouldn't be back next year competing for it again, I would have said you were crazy. I am absolutely shocked what's happened the last, forget the last six years, the last three years, since losing the Pacers in game six of the 2013 semifinals. Completely shocked. I, I can't believe what's taking place. I can't believe it. I mean, I can't believe it either. It just, you know, when the deal happened, people were like, well, you guys gave up too much. I, I didn't think it was too much at the time because the, the resumes did not add up to Melo. Melo was a perennial all-star. He was doing it all that. I think he's still good, though. I think yeah, I, he's, he's, he's still, still good. Mello, but you got to – I don't know, man. And you know what's crazy, too, is that granted he never won the championship in Denver. He was always there every year. And how tough was the Western Conference back then, man? And he that's, was there every and that's year. the difference. That's the main difference. But, you know, if Melo can get to the Western Conference finals in the tough Western Conference, you mean to tell me he can't get out the second round in a, a lower mediocre? I mean, it, it, the East has gotten I, it better. Boggles but my mind. It boggles my mind. I can't. I wish I could give you a better answer. I don't. It, bo- it absolutely, you know, granted, <laughs> some things didn't go right with, you know, Melo and Amari were supposed to be this. Dynamic duo, that didn't happen with Amari mm. getting hurt a lot. Tyson Chandler always used to get fluke every time there was a big game. So a lot of things went wrong, but still, I mean, I feel, and I believe in Melo, but I would think as, on the strength of his greatness, the Knicks should at the very least have been in the playoffs the last three years, but that's not what happened. And, you know, here we are, man, going into another offseason. Instead of just worrying about building, getting a player to, we have so many questions. Who's going to be the coach? You know, it's still Jackson here long term. Right. A lot of questions to answer. And, and plus the fact that we don't have a draft pick this summer in the draft makes it even worse. Right, and it, that's it, not Phil's fault. No, 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 no. no it, it, it's not his fault. But at the same time, like, if we're not going to make the playoffs, at least we know we have yeah. a pick. Now, that now, was one of the worst no. trades. There's been many ba- bad trades in Knicks history. And I've talked to people in Toronto, and they said, listen, they would any team that was willing to take Bargnani in his contract, the Raptors would have given Bargnani for nothing. So why the hell the Knicks gave them two first round picks is I mean, people in Toronto I've talked to were laughing. They were like if you were just called the Raptors and said, Hey, we'll take Bargnani. The Raptors would have said, You know what? Send me a couple pizza pies and pizza suprema and we'll give you Bargnani. Except here come the Knicks. And we'll give you two first-round picks. I mean, it's still mind-boggling, Randy. Absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, I think I think it was that trade, and I'm not sure if it was a first or a second-round pick, but they traded two two picks for a, a Marcus Camby, and I, and I sit back like, you, what? Like this ain't Camby from Toronto or, or or early Nick days. This is like you know washed-up Camby, and you're giving up two, whether it be second-round picks. You, that's still that's still valuable. You give up two second-round picks for a Marcus Camby, and it's like yeah, man, they ended up cutting him after the first year. They, there you go. <laughs> so it's like some. Sometimes the, the 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 decisions is like it might sound good in you know as a first thought on paper, but when you when you go back and try to you know try to see where this team why the team it is the way it is, Bargnani trade, um, the Jose Calderon trade that, that Phil Jackson made, the Canby draft pick trade, and we can go on and on and on. But it's like at some point. When do we stop making th- those bad decisions and start making some smart ones? And I don't know if Phil is doing that right now. He's doing a decent job, so I can't knock him for that. But there are some choices that he's made that hasn't turned out well. Nah, no question about that. You're absolutely right. 
Now I, I know I know Melo has said plenty of times he he's proud to be a Nick. He he wears the orange and blue. He wants to retire um, as a member of the Knicks. Um, but it, you as a fan, is there a part in the back of your mind that says hey, I know Melo said that? But if he decides to waive that no trade clause, I I won't be too upset at him for doing that. You know, I'm I'm fifty fifty. Like I want Melo to stay. I hope they can get a point guard and build around Melo in two years. You know, we're on the float together with Carmelo Anthony going down the Canyon Heroes, like we've seen the Yankees and the Giants do a few times over the last 15 years. But if Carmelo Anthony decides to waive his no-trade clause, I also understand. I wouldn't be mad at him. You know, but I think I do give him credit. He got the money, yeah, but he wants to stay. But, you know, if things don't go right and he wants to waive his no-trade clause, I wouldn't hate him. I wouldn't be mad at him. Now, you know, Melo is only 31 years old. We're not saying he's at the end of his career. But, you know, at some point, it's like you got to get some talent in here. That that's can, what I'm saying. That's, yeah. why, what, that's why I'm like, what are they doing? Because I think Carmelo Anthony, has. I think he could play six more years. But I think right. he has two or three more years up at a high level. So it's like we got to make this right now. I mean, yeah, Porzingis may not even reach his peak for five years. And that's okay. He's 21, 20 years old. We got to make this right now with what we have. What we have is Carmelo Anthony in his prime. Let's figure this out. Yeah, and like you said, they they, they got to get a point guard. I feel like they got to get a two guard as well. Uh, I know there's some some free agents out there. Big one is is Kevin Durant. Um, you got the Mike Conley's out there, but it's like, you know, who's really out there that a wants to come here? Uh, we don't know well, who. The, the Rondo thing to me. Listen, I don't love Rondo as a person. He seems like kind of a toolbox, but he's extremely intelligent. He loves the pass. Carmelo Anthony loves to shoot. I mean, I think they're a perfect match. I mean, I, I just think you got, I don't like him personally, but I'll, I'll learn to like him. you got to talk to Rondo. You have to, man. He had a phenomenal year this year with the Sacramento Kings. I think talking to Rondo is a no-brainer. Right. And, we'll, and, we'll and, do it. But also talk to a no-brainer to talk to Tom Thibodeau, to talk to Jeff Van Gundy, to talk to Scott Brooks. But will Phil do it? I don't know. I really don't know. And that's the part I was going to mention where it, to us as fans, you know, we're, we're pretty smart. We're, we, you know, we're like, hey, why don't you do your due diligence and reach out to these free agents? And if they say no, then that's on them. But um, reaching out to uh, Rajon Rondo, Tom Thibodeau, Mark Jackson, don't just sit back and just chill and be like, I got my guy already when 95% of the Knicks fan base are like, dude, uh, A, we don't want Kurt Ramis. B, can you call Tom Thibodeau or Mark Jackson already? And if they tell you no, then at least you, at least you went out and reached out. But don't just sit back and say, I got my guy ready without doing or due diligence. Right. No, it would be an absolute disgrace. It's going to be a disgrace Ramis. It will be, be an even more disgrace if he doesn't do his due diligence and talk to guys like Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, Scott Brooks. Yeah, Tom Thibodeau. I mean, that would be just such a disgrace. I mean, I, I can't even picture Kurt Ramis getting introduced at the Garden next year in the home opener. Oh, man, Randy, coach. if he's a coach opening night, you, I mean, uh, I've never thought I'd say this, and I've said it already. I mean, if Phil wants to hire Kurt Ramis as head coach, James Dolan has to say something. And I, I've never been a fan of James Dolan opening his mouth. Right. But boy, oh boy, if there was ever a time for Dolan to speak his mind to Phil, it would be now. Like, I paid you five years, $60 million to hire Kurt Rambis. And if you love Kurt Rambis so much, why didn't you hire him at first then? The whole thing is sickening, man. Seeing Derek Fisher there last night, too, looking like a clown. And looking back, maybe Fisher wasn't even that bad because he knew what the Knicks had. 
and he knew it was probably better to run some pick and rolls here and there. He knew it was better for the basketball team to for a time to go away from the triangle. And you know, it's never a good optic. And Rick DiPietro said this the other day at ESPN, you know, former goalie of the Islanders, Alan Allen. He talked about it's never a good idea when the general manager is picking how the team plays on the court or the ice. The general manager should be picking the players and the coaches right. to let those let them do what they need to do, not calling the shots. But the problem with the Knicks is that the, the Knicks' best coach is their general manager. So that's kind of, it's, it's such a weird dynamic, man. Now, do, you know, do you have a fear that Phil Jackson, let, let's just say hypothetically, is going to hire Kurt Ramis and be like, all right, I'm going back to L.A.? Well, maybe. I think if that were to happen, then, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if that were to happen, if, if Kurt would leave with them. Yeah, that's definitely a fear, of course, absolutely. Now, out of out of everything he's done, like I mean, the the free agents he signed from the Lopez to Aflalo, um, your guy O'Quinn, your guy Serafin, Derek Williams, the Jose Calderon <laughs> trade. You just say my guy, those guys. Yeah, you, no, you, you, I know, I know. You give them a lot of praise on Twitter and stuff like that. Could you know? Anyway, <laughs> the triangle yeah, offense. A lot of praise. Those, those guys, those guys are terrible. So, well, I, out of everybody he signed, I, I, obviously they drafted Porzingis, but. Aside from that, who was, you know, also trading Tim Hardaway to get the draft pick for Jerry and Grant? Is there any – what was the main bright spot? If you can sit back and say, listen, this is some of the good that happened this year, unfortunately. Oh, Robin what would Lopez, you pick up? Robin Lopez is a hell of a lot better basketball player than a lot of us realize. Also, he's been playing with Portland for a few years on the West Coast. A lot of us probably have been watching a of Blazers. Yeah, Robin Lopez was spectacular. I mean, the Knicks are, you know, I get set. At the you know four or five positions, maybe for the next five years, maybe even you know with Melo too. So Robin Lopez, man, I could definitely kudos to Phil for Robin Lopez. But you know, it's not about you know. I've seen many teams over the years have a, a player who played well, you didn't win. But no, Robin Lopez is a great, really good signing, no question. Now, is there another bright spot? Whether you know it be Melo being a more passing offensive kind of uh, a player. I mean, I guess, but I mean, also like, is it? Is it fair to change Melo's game now, though? Melo's a killer. No. You know, like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure what the right thing to do with Melo is. Like, do you want to change his game? Do you want to try to make him, like, this passer? When, when Melo's best is a killer? I, I'm not sure. I'm, not, I'm really not sure. Yeah, I, I just feel like if you know if you know what Melo is at the age of 30, 31, 32, um, you just you just gotta let him play. Let him be, um, unless he decides himself he wants to change his game. Uh, you know, most players change their game when they get older. Um, they 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 may may not be as athletic or explosive, so they have to go more perimeter. But Melo is not that old. He's thirty one years old. But to change his game totally, um, I don't know, man. It's just a lot of different dynamics that goes into watching this team night in night out. And it's like, hey, if it works, fine. But if it's not working, then you know, you, you you should not change anything. Right. No, you're absolutely right there. You're absolutely right. And like I said a few minutes back, you know, we have a very, very interesting offseason coming up. Now, you mentioned Porzingis, obviously, fourth pick. Uh, I, I, I'm I not going to stand here and say that I knew who he was or knew about him before the draft. I think a lot of a lot of fans um, 
weren't too keen on him or his game. We saw YouTube and stuff like that, but um, obviously he he had a great uh, a good rookie season. Um, kind of fell off after the All Star break. What is your uh, perception of Porzingis before the draft? Watching him progress throughout the season and now completing his rookie season. Before the draft, I was like everybody else. Well, no, no, let me rephrase that. I wasn't like everybody else. I didn't know much about him, but I wasn't mad. For the record, I've only been mad at one draft pick in my life, and that was Frederick White. The other draft picks, even in Michael Sweetney, I'm always like, I'll give them a chance. I never boo them. I never get mad, um, even if I wanted a different player. You know what I'm saying? But, like, I, I never really get too mad about it. I, I, I just don't. But And, and that said, um, Porzingis is a lot better than I thought. What is he going to be? I'm not sure. That's unfair. I mean, is he going to be better than Dirk? Is he going to be just, just as good as Danilo Gallinari? Or is he going to become Andrea Bargnani? I don't know. And that's, that's not an insult. I, I don't know. We None of us know. His upside is, is, you know, it's there. It needs to get bigger. To me, I'm most impressed with his defense, his ability to block shots, his ability to help on defense. Absolutely incredible. So what is he going to be? I'm not sure. And that, that's okay. So many people are like, oh, he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. That's unfair. It's unfair. Maybe he will be. I hope he is. It's unfair to the kid to say he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, well, I just don't know what he's going to be long term, but that's, that's, that's okay. But I'm definitely excited about what, what's to come with Chris Dapps. I think it's also love his attitude also. Just need to get him away from Kevin Therap. I need him to get him <laughs> Hey man, KP is already living the life at 2021 years old. I mean, it's. I think when they they drafted him, and listen, I was like, okay, so you're not gonna get Moody or some other guys out there. But as time went on, I was like, okay, now now I can see why Phil Jackson um, drafted him. The height, block shots, he can rebound, he can shoot. He you know he still has to learn how to, you know. You know, put the ball on the floor more and be more effective at that. Put some more weight on it. I think you will. I think you will learn all those things. I definitely do. I'm very confident. Yes, I mean, so overall, I, we can all agree that you know it was a pretty productive rookie year. Um, the the sky oh, no is doubt. the limit for no him. Doubt. No so. doubt. I'm very very excited about what's like I said, what's to come with Chris Stapps. There's no doubt about that. Right. We know the sky is the limit for him, but when it comes to the team going forward, now playoffs are here. The Knicks are not involved. Nowhere near involved. It's another year of of waiting for the maybe they'll trade for a second round pick or they make a trade somehow some I have no idea but what are you looking more forward to this um this offseason is it getting a head coach is it getting the point guard maybe a two guard maybe well, getting that I big free agent I, come, I mean forget the draft to get a pick great don't expect it but we might uh it's it's half and half head coach and who are we getting free to it's that simple I don't need to say much more Head coach, free agency. That's it. So out of of the available head coaches, where do you rank? Like, listen, I want this guy first, second, third. Who do I want? That's an easy answer. It's Tom Thibodeau. He's who I wanted the Knicks to hire back in 2008, although I was cool with Mark Jackson. Tom Thibodeau is the guy I want. It's that simple. I don't think they're going to hire him. But if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. And my answer is Tom Thibodeau. Now, what do you make about all this David Blatt stuff? Um, it's interesting, but I'm not. It doesn't really do anything for me. Don't see it happening. You know, I, I don't really think much of it, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not nothing. The stories aren't true. I, I just, you know, don't really think much of it. If Phil Jackson resigns Kurt Rambis, what's the first thing you're going to do or tweet about? <laughs> I 
that's a good question. You know, I'll probably, because we do live in the social media era, we do have a lot of fun on Twitter and Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. Lord, who knows what's next? Um, maybe a MySpace comeback. How about that? Oh, I God. think the first thing I'm going to do, and, and it'll be real, I'll probably do, what movie is it from that the dude from a 40-year-old virgin does the no, no, no? I'll probably do that. But there's that meme, that video meme type thing. What movie is that from anyway? Steve Carell. Uh, Steve Carell. But yeah. he's like, no, no. I'm lost. I'll probably right do now. a bit. Uh, what movie did, did he do that in though? I'm lost right now. I'm trying to think about it on on site, but I it's not it's not. Is it like that video? People always post when something bad happens, and it's Steve Carell going, no, no. Oh, wasn't that ain't that no. the, ain't that the TV show that he he did? Not a movie, right? Wasn't that the TV show? Maybe it's a show. I don't know if it's from one of his movies, whether it's. The you know, Office, something like that, right? That. I'm not sure what movie or show it's from, but it's a video. It's a five-second video of Steve Carell yelling no. So that will probably be my first reaction, and you'll probably have to find that on my Snapchat. Okay, now will you go to the home opener if Kareem is your head coach? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I'll go to the home opener if, um, you know, if the devil's coaching. I'll still go to the home opener. Hey, man, I, I really hope they um, – they 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 do something with you know that the Knicks fans, not saying Knicks fans or any fan base can dictate what a team does, but at some point they gotta hear what we're saying because we're, we're all pretty. It seems s- that most fans, I mean not all, but it seems that most fans want Thibodeau. Well, just wait and see. It's, I'm gonna be curious to see when this coaching search starts or if it's even started already. It's gonna it's it's gonna take Phil Jackson to take a step back and stop being stubborn and say, you know what, maybe my way so far has not been going well. Let's take a look at, uh, at Thibodeau at oh, Mark Jackson. It's gonna take a lot, man. Just, I, you know, I know, I, mean, I know. Take a lot for but that. If he doesn't do that, I think it'll really, you know, it'll really tarnish what he's what he's done and what he's going to do going forward. And I, I don't think Knicks fans can really trust him knowing that you're the GM and you're not really doing your, your due diligence and trying to get the best guy. Well, I not think right now Knicks fans guy. are breathing. Well, we're breathing for a minute because we're, hopefully we'll find out who the coach is soon. And then it's free agency. So, it's, oh man, it's, it's a very interesting and nerve-wracking offseason. I'll say that. It's gonna, I hope it's great, but it's going to be very interesting and nerve-wracking. Real quick, I got these two uh, Twitter questions I'm going to throw at you yeah, sure. before you head out. Um, you know, I've seen it before. Let me see. From W-I-R-M-S-S. Yes, that is a Twitter handle. Um, he said, the biggest question on my mind, who should be the next next head coach? Should they give the head coach position or give Patrick Ewing a look? I don't know why Patrick Ewing hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet. There's obviously some there's people out there that maybe just don't believe in him as a head coach, and that's okay. Like, it's kind of like, you know, I don't I don't want Ewing to be the head coach of the Knicks. I love Ewing. He's one of the only people that if I'm next to, I probably took a really starstruck around. For the simple fact that if it didn't work, that would just break my heart, and I wouldn't want that to happen to Pat. You know, I'm, if they hired Thibodeau or Van Gundy or a Scott Brooks, even Scotty played with Pat when he played with the Knicks for a year, the 96-97 season, I would love to bring you in the board. But I'm not really interested in hiring you in as a head coach. No offense to Pat. Love Pat. All right, last one. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. I guess when free agency, going after a two-guard or point guard, um, names like Bazemore, Rondo, Jeff Teague, Nicholas Batum, or Evan Turner, uh, what about those guys? And do we do we go after Paul Gasol? 
Well, you know, you don't get pals because you got Robin Lopez, you got Chris Dunsford, you got Carmelo Anthony. You're cool with the front line. I mean, if Powell wants to come for dirt cheap and pull off the bench, I'm cool with that, but you don't need to go after Powell. Uh, Evan Turner's cool, kind of plays in, you know, work boots. He's not that fast. You need to get more athletic in the backcourt because your frontcourt could be set the next five years with Melo, Robin Lopez, and Chris Dunsford. But it's not that athletic. So you need to get more athletic in the backcourt, like Baysmore, love DeRozan. Obviously, in a perfect world, I would get DeRozan and Rondo. But it's not a perfect world. I would love those two, if that's possible. Real quick, playoffs start this um, this weekend. Uh, who do you have winning it, or do you see any potential upsets going on in the West or the Eastern Conference? Um, I have Golden State winning the potential upset. It's not going to happen, but the team I see giving the Warriors the most hell, if they play – is the Los Angeles Clippers. And that's a, be- oh, that's a potential second-round match. Yeah, hot taking, but, oh, the Clippers are going to beat the Warriors out sound like a fool. But I think the Clippers, if they're healthy, Blake Griffin is playing well, Chris Paul, DeAndre, I think the Clippers, even though the, the Clippers are 0-4 versus the Warriors this year, I think the Clippers can give them a run. They beat in the second round. And if they don't, that means Chris Paul will go out in the second round for the God knows how many. Yeah, times. and that, that breaks my heart. I'm a big Chris Paul fan. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. Hey, man, it's it, it's the luck of the draw. They get the fourth seed. I, I I would love to see Chris Paul in, in the Western Conference Finals. I love what Portland's done. I don't think Portland. Yeah. Has, I think I think the Clippers will mop them up. I think the the biggest intrigue matchups just just as far as but I think can go the farthest is the Clippers in Portland and also. Um, Miami and Charlotte. Something about Miami and Charlotte has me like, I want to see D. Wade and Kimba and Joe Johnson with that addition. So I think that should be, to me, that's, the that's, most that's interesting gonna be a good series. series. That's going to Boston-Atlanta, I think, is going to be very good as well. I, I could tell you what I'm not watching, and that's San Antonio-Memphis. Yeah, that's going to be a – San Antonio should win in in four, no doubt. <laughs> Um, either way, man, should be a, should be a very interesting playoffs. We'll see if the Warriors can uh, win back to back championships. But before I let you go, um, let people know where they can find you on Twitter and the stuff that you do, your radio show, SNY, ESPN, and the Knicks Blog podcast, and of course the Anthony Donahue show. Yeah, no problem. Best just to follow me on my social media, Anthony MSG, on Twitter and Instagram. My Snapchat is Anthony MSGG. Two G's. Now, if anybody's listening, I think I may have signed up for Snapchat like three years ago. I didn't know it. And I can't seem to get my name to Anthony MSG because Anthony MSG seems to be taken. But I feel like I may have taken it. And I don't know it. So if anybody can help me with this problem, I'll give you a ticket. So if you can, anybody listen, they can get my, my, my Snapchat name and get rid of this other Anthony MSG, which I think is me. I'll take you to a nickname next year. On me. I decided this is just stressing me out having to say Anthony MSGG for my snap. So MSG Anthony was taken too. Yeah, but I think I may have done it a few years ago and not noticed, not really knew it. I think I'm not sure, but there's an Anthony MSG on Snapchat that doesn't snap at all. So I feel like I may have signed up for it and not know. No, I'm talking about you, like flipping it, put MSG Anthony that as opposed to. Oh, yeah, yeah maybe it's not something to think about. Something to think about as the days go on. Definitely something to think about. Well, there you go. I think Anthony uh, MSGG can, can uh, <laughs> confuse a lot of people out there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Anthony, always a pleasure. Again, Anthony MSG on Twitter. Um, he hosts the Knicks Blog podcast on SNY and frequent contributor to ESPN New York 98.7 FM and the host of the Anthony Donahue Show on Blog Talk 
www.radio.com. Anthony, always a pleasure, man. Thank you, and I appreciate it. You bet, Randy. Anytime, man. All right.